Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. Oops, sorry, I almost started without you over there. Okay, welcome. To our weekly Wednesday night shear. I'd like to give a little dedication today to a little child, Leah Basimcha. And she have a full shleima, grow up to be a very beautiful, healthy child. Um, out garbage. Yeah, and of course, this coming Friday is the site of Eliza Shalamis. Eliza Shalamis. Family should have only simchas and nachas. Yeah. The Shabbos Pashas Vayakhil. Vayakhil Moshe. The Shabbos also. Shabbos Mavarchim Chedish Adar Sheni. Formerly known as Pashas Shkolim. Many times discussed prior the halachas of the four parshas, but it's unfortunately to some people very very confusing. So allow us to repeat again the order of the four parshas, how the four parshas work. I mean, I got a message here that's all right. Oh, okay, no. How the four parshas work. The four, first of the four parshas is Pasha Shkolim, second is Zachar, third is Pada, and the fourth is Achidish. Not all of them are contingent one on the other. Shabbos Parshas Shkolim can be one of two scenarios. It could either be Shabbos Mevarchim Achidish other or other Sheini. If there's two others, other Shani. If there's one other, then obviously other. Either Shabbos Mevarchim Achedish or Shabbos Reish Chedish. If Reish Chedish other should be on Shabbos, then Shabbos Shkolem, Pasha Shkolem would be on that Shabbos. Shabbos Pasha Zocher is the second of the four. Pasha Zacher is always the Shabbos prior to Purim. Therefore, as we will see this year, Shabbos Shkolim and Zacher are not consecutive Shabbosim. In other words, this Shabbos is Pasha Shkolim. Im Hashem. Shkedish is Friday and Shabbos, and uh, Friday and Thursday and Friday. Shkedish other Shani is Thursday and Friday, and therefore, this subsequent week will not be Purim, but rather the week after. Hence, Shabbos Pasha Zachar would be the next Shabbos, not Pasha Pikude, but rather Pasha Vayikro. Zachar is always the Shabbos before Purim. Shabbos Shkolem is not Midoiraisa. It's not Minatera to go hear it. Men, obviously, in sitting in shul need to hear the reading of Pasha Shkolem. Pasha Shkolem is read at the beginning of Pasha's Kisisa, discussing the contribution of the Shkolem to the Mishkan. Pasha Zacher, in turn, we read from Pasha's Kisitze commemoration of the destruction of how we need to destroy the name of Amalek, the Amalekites for they had attacked us when we left Egypt on our way to Matantera Amalek as we know is Gematria Safek the doubt which is thrown into our minds when a person has a doubt, whether it be from something that happened to them earlier in their lifetime, 
as youth or whatever it was, and then the child, then the person, then grows up and says that this is what affects my life today. This is doubt. This is a doubt in Bitochen, a doubt in the Muna. It might have been a very traumatic, painful, horrific thing that happened. But everything the Abishad does for a reason. Unfortunately, sometimes the reason is not seen to us. Unfortunately, many times, especially when it's something bad, something evil, something wicked done by a person that we trusted the most, it's something that we still need to understand that Hashem has put it that way. This person has done this sin, committed this sin to you, and you have been committed against, but yet it's all in Hashem's plan for us to be able to overcome, to forgive, and to continue and persevere our regular life. Amalek, in turn, gives us the suffix. Amalek gives us that doubt and says to us, did I or should I or would I or could I? We always second-guess something that comes from Amalek. The Eivishti gave us the care to overcome everything that we need to be, every controversy we ever need to face. We unfortunately don't always take advantage of that. Therefore, Pasha Amalek, Pasha Zohar is read prior to Purim, which Purim is the story of Haman's attack on the Jewish nation, the salvation that we had from Haman, Hence, to remember how we need to destroy and eradicate that name of Amalek, that concept within us, we read Pasha Zohar, the Shabbos before Purim. If, however, unfortunately, a person was not able, Chas v'sholem, to hear the reading of Pasha Zohar in Shul, which is Midairaisa, Midhatayra, men, women, and children, then one should go to shul on Purim morning and hear the reading of Vayovei Amolik, which is read not from Kiseitze, but rather from Bishalach, at the end of Bishalach, the last nine Pesukim, also talking about the actual battle. There too it says, Mochei em zecher, zecher Amolik. We have a difference of opinion whether it's Zecher or Zecher, and therefore each time it's read by Bishalach and Kiseitze, both Zecher and Zecher are mentioned, one is read first Zecha, then Zecha. One is read first Zecha, and then Zecha. Pasha Zecha, therefore, is the Shabbos before Purim. Not, again, not connected to when Pasha's Pora would be. Pasha's HaChedesh would then be either Shabbos Mevorchim HaChedesh Nisan or Shabbos HaChedesh Nisan. Being that HaChedesh Adar is Thursday and Friday, Therefore, Rishchidosh Nisan will be Shabbos in Yetz Hashem. Habal in Olatever. Rishchidosh Nisan is always one day, and therefore Shabbos Hachid Parshas Hachidosh will be Shabbos Rishchidosh Nisan. Parshas, which is of course read Hachidosh Azelachem Reish Chadoshim, and Parshas Pora is the Shabbos prior to Hachidosh. Whenever Hachidosh will be, this case being Shabbos Rishchidosh. Part of them will be Shabbos Mevorchim HaChedish Nisan, the Shabbos prior. Shabbos Pashas Parah, according to many opinions, is also Minatera, talking about Yichelecha Parah Aduma, taking of the Parah Aduma. that we can elaborate on each Parsha as we come to the Parsha, Parshas Kolim. We only recently, like Parshas Kisisa last week, discussed the concept of Shkolim, discussed the concept of it being the essence of the Jewish nation, Whereas a Jew has to be given to understand that we are only a half, we are only a machzah shekel. And the complete equality between Jews, whether they be very wealthy, very, very poor, they still needed to only and could only give that machzah a shekel, that half a shekel. Pashas Vayakel. In turn, let's go back to Bashvayakel, of course, is a repetition of Parshish prior, Parshish Truma and Tetzaveh. Now, at first glance, we need to understand why repeat. 
Why would the Torah need to go over this entire thing? We know every word in the Torah is concise. So much so that the Yemara expounds on every extra letter and word. When we see the Torah says, Asher Atmeya, a behema asher a nena tahira, a behema which is not pure, the Yemara Msachim, those are keeping score at home in the beginning of Gimel. The Yemara says, why does it not just say Timea, impure? Why a nena tahira, not pure? And the Torah teaches us, says the Yemara, that we need to speak nicely. We need to speak properly. We need to speak, even if the Torah says, even if I need to mention extra letters, an extra word, but I should say it in a nicer way. And so too, even when we reprimand someone, it should be done in a nicer way. Even when we compliment somebody, it should be done, of course, in the nicest of ways. This unfortunately is a very, very big problem in today's society especially, where people tend to not focus and allow things out of their mouth, allow things, today's day and age, out of their phone, out of their computer, to talk about and to destroy and to hurt sometimes innocent and sometimes guilty people. But who are you to be the judge, jury? Who are you to pass the judgment that this is the way a person needs to be punished? That this is the way Hashem wants to punish and I am Hashem's messenger. Mm-hmm. Says the Tater, therefore, that we need to be very careful each word that we say so that we don't say it in a way, in a derogatory fashion. In that case, if each and every word is accounted for, and it's so concise, the Pasuk here, Vayem Emeshel Kaladas B'nei Yisrael, Leimer, Zeh Hashem. In our Parsha, again, in chapter 35, verse 4, Moshe begins again to tell the Jews, this is the commandment that God commands. Would it not suffice to say that Bnei Yisrael also kol hashatziva Hashem is Meisha? That Bnei Yisrael did everything that God commanded to Moshe? Why now repeat the command to Bnei Yisrael of the collection of all the materials and the whole description, this depiction of the craftsman work? This is all brought down to the Torah. Why the excessive repetition? I'd like to go to different angles to discuss this. Firstly, we find a precedent for this in the Torah, where a lengthy repetition takes place. Eliezer Ebed Abraham, the servant of Abraham, Eliezer, was sent to find a wife for Yitzchak. And the Torah tells us a pretty detailed situation as to what happened in his journey. Then Eliezer comes back and repeats the entire story. And all that he repeats is again written in the Torah. Rashi at that point, chapter 24 in Bereshus, verse 42, says, Sichosom, the valuable value of the conversations of the servants of our fathers is more precious to God than the tale of his sons. So therefore the section of the years is repeated. And there are many halachas that are not repeated. They're only left. Some not even totally expounded upon. Some things, some laws in the tale that are just hinted.
Rashi's intention is not to tell us that the servant of our forefathers is in contrast with the Jewish people, Chashel. Rather, to distinguish actually their conversations, although they don't have any directive in the Torah itself, even though the Torah is normally very concise with every letter and word, one of the most enjoyable times for God was the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka. And since this marriage was so beautiful and so valuable to Hashem, Hashem sees to repeat it. Hashem allows it to be repeated in His Torah. The same similarly would come out, ultimately, when we discuss the Mishkan. The Mishkan represents a dwelling for God, where God can dwell amongst the Jewish people especially after the aftermath of the golden calf, the Mishkan was actually a testimony that God forgave the Jews. And that's why the Shekinah now rested amongst them. So obviously such a beautiful, pivotal moment in the relationship between God and His people is deserving to be repeated again. But Rashi doesn't actually elaborate and explain what's going on here. He says, after I explained everything before and Truma and everything else, Rashi doesn't say, so why am I doing it again? She just say, Kashatsiva, Hashem is Mesha. Many different commentaries discuss this. One of which is the Barbanel. And the Barbanel goes to a very, very lengthy explanation. He says, ultimately, why is the Teda telling this all again? Why is this being repeated? Was it not enough to say, And he gives a very logical explanation. And he says, the fact of the matter is that the workers did not follow protocol. They did not keep to the way it was mentioned in the Teda. Their order, which they could put their things together. Moshe said, And therefore the Pasuk had to tell us the Kalim and all the other things that were done in a different order. Ultimately, it was ultimately done in a different order than Moshe commanded them. And just like we don't have, we don't take into account, like you learned the Seder Malacha, same way also, the changing of the way they did it also is not. So therefore the Tater needs to enumerate again each and everything that was done, in order to let us know that they did ultimately what God wanted. They didn't change, they didn't alter, God forbid, God's commandment. They just put things in different orders. So therefore we understand now the difference between the commandment and Pasha's Truma, which they were told to actually do this, Bepeil, and the order of the, thi- of the words, the order of the commandments in the commandment of Hashem comes before the commandment when it comes to the Siyas HaKalim, to the doing the actual Kalim. And then afterwards, only not only the vessels, but the actual Mishkan's work. However, in our parsha, before it talks about making the Mishkan itself, well, after doing all the Kalim, this is what Teda is now repeating. To let us know that the pale bottom line, is not Asu Chachmei Leiv. The Chachmei Leiv did not do according to the order they were given, that it says in Pasha Truma, to build the Kalim, the vessels, and then the Mishkan. 
but rather the way it says in our Pasha. First the Mishkan and then the Kalim. We could perhaps derive this all from Rashi's explanation. Rashi says, similar to this, Pachajah to this, in Pashat Pekudei. Meisha Tziva Lebetzal. So in chapter 38, verse 22. Lamed Ches Chav Meisha put this brilliant little fellow, Betzalel, who by the way, as we mentioned many times, was all of 13 years old. He put Betzalel in charge. You do this job. And he commanded him First make the Kalim and then the Mishkan. First the vessels and then the Mishkan. Omar lay B'tzal. B'tzal says to him, Excuse me, Moshe. You're Moshe Rabbeinu, and I'm only a little smarkach B'tzal. Minig ha'elam las eschila bayis v'chakach mesim kalim b'seichri. The custom of the world is to first build a house, and then put your furniture inside it. Picture this, you buy a lot where you're going to build your house, you put all your furniture set up inside the lot, and then you start building the house around it. And therefore, that's how he did it. First the Mishkin, and then the Caleb. So perhaps, says the Vavrinel, this is the reason for the repetition of Pashas Vayakil, of all the things. But we got two questions that don't fit with this. According to the wording of Rashi, that he brings the Shina, Yaseder, only in Pash Pekudei, it shows us, therefore, that this is a Chiddush that happened in Pekudei. If Rashi was the opinion that this was the reason that the whole Parsha in Vayakel was written, he would have written it in Vayakel. The fact that he writes it in Pekudei tells us that, uh-uh, it has nothing to do with the repetition here, but rather something that happened in the Pekudei itself. Another question. If everything that he wants to tell us here is to tell us a general order, and the Chiddush and the changes over here from Pasha's Truma, why repeat again every single little detail? We heard every detail. There's nothing new here. Perhaps you want to say that according to Barbanel that just like they changed this, they changed the essence, everything else. Nah. According to Poshut Pshat from the Posuk, why would you think that they changed anything? Why would you think according to the Posuk that God forbid the people that doing this tremendous work altered it another thing according to the opinion of the Barbanel where he wants to tell us that it's letting us to hear letting us hear the difference of the Seder the difference of the order this is only because he doubles he repeats again everything here when it comes to the Asiyah to the doing However, we find in the beginning of the Pasha, it says, at great length, and he repeats again, all the Pratim of the donations as well. Even though Pasha's Truman mentions the donations. B'tzivay Hashem Lameisha. As a commandment of God to Meisha, all the donations that had to be done. And each thing was itemized. Zav, Chesef, Cheshes, Cheles, Agomon, Slashoni, Sheish, Izim, Eiris. Elim, Tchoshim. We see it all before. Chapter 25, verse 3. Chafei Gimel, and on. In our Pasha comes therefore again, and repeats everything that he said before. The Tzivi, the whole commandment, the Meshati. Zav, Chasav, and Cheshav, again. The trap is different, if you're a Balkeira. This needs to be understood. Why didn't he just cut the chase, get to the point? Tell Mesha that everything was given 
like God commanded. Like the Almighty commanded Moshe. However, to enlighten us over here, the Seder that's brought closest here, prior to Vayachil, is Kisitsa. Rashi in Kisitsa, chapter 34, verse 26, Lamedal Chafov says, Rashi stops and says, the Yashiv Zakhilish Chomish Tevis Bavad. About the repetition of the words of Le Savash Gidi Bachalevimai, the five words. And Rashi asks, Why does the Tayyar say so many times that he may not boil the Gidi, the Tzigala, in the milk of its mother? And this makes it even a bigger shock. In our parsha, it goes and doubles everything repeated. Rashi does not say a word. As we mentioned before, this we go back to what we said. The Mishkin and the Kalim were in Yanim that were very important and dear to Bnei Yisrael. Because through them came the resting of the Shekhinah. And therefore the Mishkan is referred to as Mishkan HaEdus. Rashi explains, Edus Yisrael, Shevit As we said, that this is testimony that the Almighty forgave them for the Maisa Eagle. Shehish HaShchinah For he rested the Shechina. From this we understand even more. The great endearment in this as the sin of the Chata Egel was the worst sin that could have been done. That even after this, HaKadosh Baruch still says, V'yayim v'kadati So therefore we understand the Mishkan, which was forgiveness for this Chet, this is also a general thing that helped and elevate it even more. So now we understand simple reason that the Pasuk goes and repeats everything we said, that the nations of the Mishkan is doing it, etc. For the great endearment, as we mentioned before, in comparison to Eliezer. Rashi does not have to explain this openly, because the main foundation that's found over here teaches us from his words in Pashas as we said before, the repetition of Eliezer, etc. And we know therefore from there, that something valuable to God, is very, very valuable to God, and so much more so when it comes to the Nadiv Libe, the donations of each and every Jew, and the devotion and dedication that they put into when it came to the construction of the Mishkan and the donations to the Mishkan, this therefore, as we're going to discuss in Hashem, was a tremendous Nachasruach to God worthy of repetition. Nature was a leader. Meisha, as a leader of the Jewish nation, had his days of great nachas and joy. Had many such days that were not as such. That were the opposite. Downright suffering. But Meisha, as a true leader, accepted it with love. The Alter Rebbe, first Chabad Rebbe, suffered very greatly at the hands of the Misnagdim. And the Messina that they gave, the informing, they informed on the Alter Rebbe, and the authorities, the Tsar sent authorities 
since the Al-Tarebbe was a counter-revolutionary person, he was being arrested to be killed. As they approached the Al-Tarebbe's house, the Al-Tarebbe ran out through the back door, or the back window, and went to hide in the cemetery. Middle of the night, usually, except for today's day and age, you go to the old days, times, day and night. But in those days, middle of the night, you didn't go frequent cemeteries. <laughs> Lo and behold, as he gets into the cemetery and he's hiding, he meets no more, no less Shmuel Munkus. Shmuel in his own right, was a very, very holy fellow. And he sees that uh, Shmuel was doing certain tefillahs, whatever he was doing over there. Shmuel asked the Alter Rebbe, what are you doing here? And the Alter Rebbe answered very simply, they came to arrest me, I had to escape, I came here to hide. Why are they arresting you? They're arresting me because I'm the Rebbe that I uh, apparently rock people's boats and whatever it is, the people are massacred and whatever. Sorry, chuli chuli. Shmuel says, chutzpah. He says, what's the chutzpah? He said, you should let yourself be arrested. The says, what? He says, you're a man of shach. If you're a Rebbe, what do you have to worry about? No harm will come to you, you're a Rebbe. If you're a fraud, then you deserve whatever you get. So either way, running away, you're not accomplishing what you're supposed to accomplish. And lo and behold, Taka, the next time they came to arrest Al-Tarebbe, Al-Tarebbe thought very well what he heard that night, and he allowed them to arrest him. And although the sentence was death, we know as we spoke in the story of the Kislev, <coughs> Al-Tarebbe gets out. And he asked him, Shmuel Munkis, What were you so sure? How did you know that this was actually, actually the way things had to work out? I mean, the pale I did it that way. But how did you know that's what was supposed to happen? Shmuel Munkin said, because not long before that I had a story. What was your story? So I went to my Balagola that I usually hired. My wagon driver... I came to his house, so we got to go on a journey. And he said, Ich kann nicht. So he says, kann nicht. So he says, Your journey is taking me too long away from home. My wife complains about that. And then the wife says, And not only that, you don't pay him enough for what he does. He deserves more money. Shmuel told the Balagolas two things. First of all, uh, so the Balagolas has recommended he take somebody else. So Shmuel says, first of all, I'm not taking anybody else. And second of all, you have no choice. So the Balagolas said, I, I can't, you heard my wife, I can't, and she needs the money. So he calls out to Balagol, he tells him, he says, listen here, you have two horses, sell one, and give your wife the money. She'll have money, she'll be quiet. <laughs> so the guy says to him, how are we going to travel with one horse? It'll take us twice as long. And uh, it's dangerous. Dangerous on the horse, we'll get to a hill, we're going down too fast and everything, It's dangerous. 
Ah, Shmuel says, I guarantee you it'll be fine. And lo and behold, they started out and the thing was running perfectly. As if to it too. However, on the third day, the they hit a very steep hill. And they had to go downhill. And the horse was not capable of keeping the wagon from running him over. And the Balagola jumps out of the wagon and he starts to stand with the horse to try to hold the wagon back. It was all to no avail. And finally the Balagola jumps on the wagon and they start speeding downhill. And they're speeding Meshuggah, they're going crazy, they're going, they're going, they're going. And he's screaming and he's yelling, he's trying to pull the reins. And the Bible of Shmuelka says, I was learning Gemara because I knew that everything would work out. I was just learning to myself. I was studying. I had no problem. No worry. Until, unfortunately, towards the bottom of the hill was a tremendous curve, a very sharp curve, to which the horse could not make it. And he went into the garden through the gate of a beautiful mansion, through into the garden, and everybody went flying all over the place. Stand up, brush yourself off. Things, you know, it didn't look great, but it wasn't so bad. Until the owner came out with a club. Started screaming and yelling and cursing. Which you did hear. Shmuel says, I wasn't worried. Until, what happened? The Balagola turned around and he pointed at me. And he told the person with the club, it's my fault. The person with the club took one look at me and says, <laughs> this guy, what, he's a Balagola? No. He could then be the Balagola. He could have done this thing. Okay, he left it off. Damage is not so bad. So what are you doing running around with only one horse? So he took out from his stable another horse. He gave them another horse. He said, here, now you have two horses. Far. No. I glick it, trask it, and I said, I'm going to get far ahead. So he says to the Alter Rebbe, so he asked the Balagola, he says, What kind of person are you? How did you finger me? How did you point me out? What did you do here? What did you sell me under a bus? Balagola says, listen here. I respect you as a holy person. I figured at this point in time, if you're a holy person, no harm will come you. So I can point on you. You're better off than I am. You're safer than I am. On the other hand, if you're not a holy person, Chasson, <laughs> And you've been fooling me all this time, pulling my chain? Let the guy beat you this nuts. Nothing's up. So therefore, Shmuel said, from here I learned that the expression goes to the Rebbe too. You're a Rebbe? Be a Rebbe. And the Rebbe, I guess, accepted the answer. The people gave different types of donations in the Mishkan. The most interesting of all, Bechol Anashim, Ashenosa Liban, Esana Bechachma, Tovu Esaizim. All the women whose hearts uplifted them with wisdom spun the goat hair. This is chapter 35, verse 26. Lamed Hei, Pazikavov. They weren't told yet to process the goat hair. They could have just given the goat and the Mishkan. They would have processed it. But here the women took initiative and they 
processed it prior to donating it. Sounds good. They spun the wool. Beautiful. It's far deeper than that, though. The manner in which they spun the wool, the wool, the goat hair, took exceptional talent. They spun this yarn into yarn while it was still attached to the back of the goat. Oh my God. Because these gifted women wish the contribution to be of the highest quality possible. And therefore it was done while it was still attached. When the fibers are most pliable and it produces a better yarn. Then they donated it to the Mishkan. What a phenomenal thing. What a phenomenal story. There's a very important lesson to be learned from the Tater's account of this donation. The women recognize their unique ability. I don't know if you ever spun a yarn or not, if you took wool and turned it, whatever. But if you ever didn't, so you didn't do it on the sheep, on the back of the sheep, the goat. Water, cup of water. It's here. They recognized their beautiful, unique ability. And they knew that they were able to do this and they thought to themselves, why do I have this talent? What is this, what's the value of this talent? And they realized that the Almighty gave them this gift so they can utilize it for the Mishkan. The home of God, the place where God dwells. So they found a means of enhancing the Mishkan through their special talents. They weren't even directly commanded to do so. They just had to bring the, the wool. But they wanted it to be the best that it can be done. And since they were capable of making it that way, they said they're going to do it that way and go all out. People are given different types of unique gifts. People need to know how to utilize these unique gifts, these unique talents, not just to utilize them, but to utilize them to the umpteenth level that they should be used of the service of God. In America, we say easier said than done. It's easier to just say, yeah, okay, you have a talent. But no. Every one of us has a talent. Whether it be art, song, dance, speech, construction, Every unique gift that a person has, that God has given us, we must recognize that the reason we're blessed with this extraordinary ability, this allows us and compels us to contribute extraordinarily towards holy causes. We just need to seek out how we can make this happen. (laughs) 
Shabbos Kaddish. What could be more beautiful than Shabbos Kaddish? Serenity, peace, harmony. Nothing happening. Stock market, news, nothing. It's me and God. Shabbos Hayyim Lashem. Tells us the Pasha, Pashvayakil, chapter 35, verse 2. Sheishes yomim teose melocha Ubayim ha-shvi Yelechem kedesh Shabbos Shabbosoin Lashem Six days work should be done On the seventh day should have sanctity A Shabbos of complete rest to God She. Let us go back to the Ten Commandments. In Shemais, chapter 20, verse 9 and 10. Sheish yomim tavoid v'asisa kom lachtecho. Yom ha-shvi shabbos l'ashem alikecho. Six days you shall work and perform all your labor. But on the seventh day is shabbos to God, your Lord. Wow. That's a change. In middle? This command is reiterated in Pashvayakil. But in few, a number of differences. First of the first the first off. Instead of Ta'avoid, Taylor says Te'ose, passive. Work shall be done. Doesn't say who's doing the work. Da'asadis says Ta'avoid, you should do the work. Just it should be done. Another thing. The seventh day here is not only referred to Shabbos Hashem, but Shabbos Shabbosoin, a Shabbos of Shabbos. These two differences, major differences, Pashvayakel, Terah brings attention. So not only the seventh day of the week being Shabbos, but how this seventh day of the week affects the six days of the week, the weekdays. Zachor v'shomer, it says. And b'diburechot. Shomer v'zachor b'diburechot, excuse me. The word shomer is him Shabbos and zachor is him Shabbos. In Shemais, Yisrael, and in Devarim Veschanon. The Ten Commandments are repeated, but yet one place it says Shomer and one says Zacher. So we rest on Shabbos to remember that God created the world in six days. Mm-hmm. Seventh day he rested. So we instill in our souls the belief of the words deliberate creation. By recognizing this, that God deliberately created and creates and conducts all the affairs of the world and humankind, this fundamentally 
affects the way we approach our work throughout the entire week. Knowing that our daily sustenance is provided by God alone. Our work in the six days of the week becomes as though passive. Work shall be done. But our actual sustenance comes is truly in the hands of God. And work therefore is only a, is merely a conduit for God's blessing. We don't attach ourselves to our work emotionally. We don't allow it to consume our minds and hearts. In turn, therefore, this affects Shabbos as well. Because after six days under the spell of Shabbos, Shabbos that follows becomes Shabbos Shabbos. When the person is not a slave to their work. There was a chassid of the Basham Tov. I've heard the story in different contexts. I read it different ways. I always knew it as a story of the candle and the match. And I always heard it as a story of a couple that was not blessed with children. And the wife was a chassid, but the chassidista, but the husband was an antagonist, the misnagid. And, oh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it wasn't children, maybe it was money. You know, it was parnasa, I'm sorry, it was money. The man had lost all his money. And he came to the Balshemtov. And finally the wife insisted that he goes to get a bracha from the Balshemtov. And he goes off and he gets he goes to the Balshemtov. And he pours out his woes to the Balshemtov. The Vashemtiv Neri looks at him. Neri a glance. But the Vashemtiv says to him, hands him a candle and a match. Vashemtiv hands him a candle and a match. <laughs> this guy didn't need much more than this to think and consider the Vashemtiv as a total nut. Happy he was not here. His wife made him crazy to come here and everything. And this is what he gets, a candle and a match. Man is shaggy. But what she do? He goes and he leaves the Bashemtiv and he begins his trek to go home. And on the way he stops off in an inn. <coughs> he stops off in an inn and the innkeeper didn't look very pleasant. But He takes the room. When he goes up to the room, he hears the innkeeper lock the door behind him. And he hears the innkeeper having a good laugh. And he knew he was in char- he was in Saras here. Oh. What can you do, really? He's he's hapless. 
He's locked in behind the doors. And he starts to daven. He starts to pray because he knows his innkeeper is going to come and kill him and take whatever money he had. And it was pitch dark in the room. So he can't even find his way around the room to find where he's going. And then he remembers the Bashem gave him a candle and a match. And he lights the candle and he starts to do B'dikas Chametz in the room to see a way out. Must be a window. The only window. This is an attic of a room. Window is very, very high up. And he surely realized that if he'd climb up there and get to the window, he'd probably fall out and fall to his death anyway. Vaila, he sees that under the bed is a carpet. Very strange. So maybe there's a trap door. Maybe I can get out of there. So lo and behold, he moves the bed. It pulls up the carpet. And there's a trap door. Miracle. Wonders. And he opens the trap door, and lo and behold, he sees he's not the first one to try to use this trap door. There's a dead body there. He realized that this was his predecessor in this room, and he is about to meet the same fate. And then he comes up with an ingenious plan. It's dark in here. Can go on his zen. Can't see anything. He wants to kill whoever's sleeping in this bed, right? He wants to kill whoever's sleeping in this bed. There's no Rashi's today. He wants to kill whoever's sleeping in his bed. We'll give him somebody that's sleeping in the bed. And he says to the dead man, excuse me, I need a favor. And he takes the dead man, he puts him in the bed. Covers him up. And he climbs into the hole with the other dead remains of bodies. And he pulls the bed back over the ditch, over the the door. Shalom. He's settled for the night. In the middle of the night, he hears all of a sudden the innkeeper unlocking the door, coming inside, taking a stick, a hammer, an axe, whatever it was, starts beating the snot out of the cadaver. He was taking a, a course in autonomy trying to figure out how to dissect a person. And uh, after finishing beating the dead man to to death, he says, okay, you're not going anywhere. I'll see you to you in the morning. And he walks out of the room. When the man heard the footsteps were gone, he climbed out of his grave. He thanked the dead man profusely for dying again. And he picked himself up and he ran. He ran from the inn and he returned to the Bashamtiv. The Bashamtiv told him there was a gazeta against him that he should die. A decree that he should die. However, even though a dead man, a poor man is considered like he's dead, and that was technically should have been enough. Hey, yes, though, since you didn't really have money to begin with, so that was not going to affect you, I had to put you literally in a place where you were dead, to be amongst the dead. And now that you've been through this, now all the brachas can come through to you, and now everything will come into fruition. This tells us how a person needs to make every moment count. We need to see to it that everything that we do is in a mission, on a mission. Six days a week we work. Work needs to be done. 
work needs to be done in a way that we are preparing for Shabbos. There's many famous stories of people that as soon as they cleaned up from Malav Malka, they set the table for Shabbos. And the Shabbos table was enhanced throughout the week. And so too, we prepare ourselves for the Yom Shekulei Shabbos Umenucha Lechai Elomim and this Shabbos Pashashkolim we should all be Yitzeche to give our Machsa Shekel and we should Pashashkolim and should be Vayakel Vayakel Mesha that each and every one of us should come into the Lashon of Hakel and we should gather ourselves within ourselves and gather all of us together Kulom Kiechod and no one should have any feelings, hard feelings, grudges, etc. against one another, but rather everyone should forgive and live in peace, harmony, so that we reach to the level of Shabbos, Shabbosin, Shabbat, Shalom to all.